Amen. Hey, Cody, how about you and Luke passing these out for me? Before y'all sit down. If y'all hadn't been standing up, I wouldn't have done that. Give him some of them there and let him. Okay, if there's anybody that didn't get a spiritual test uh, inventory, a spiritual gifts inventory, I'm trying to stay away from the word test, last week we have some more. Did everybody get one of these last week? Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, I'll let you. Okay. Maybe, maybe the folks that are not here will uh, watch online, catch up before it's over with. Uh, these new ones, just let me give you a word of explanation about it. They're a little bit thicker. They're the exact same survey. There's nothing different about them, except on uh, in these little booklets, they go into explaining a little bit about the uh, different uh, ministry gifts or motivational gifts. And uh, if you're having trouble, let, let me tell you what to do with that. This is not a test that you can fail. I think Mark's got those. Mark's got those. It's not a test that you can fail, okay? That's not, that's not what it's about. It's to help evaluate what your motivational gift is. And uh, so don't, don't get nervous and upset about it. As you read these things... Your first response that comes to you is what you need to be marking down. Uh, and then as you do that, and you go through this time, you do it prayerfully and uh, watching over it as you go. Uh, you just, you know, you just mark whichever one it is that you feel like that is best. You read these instructions. I really believe that y'all can do it, okay? And... Uh, and I'll try to, if you're having trouble with it, I'll try to take some individual time with you to help you be able to know how to do this. So feel free to ask me, and, uh, and we'll go into that. We, we talked about three different sets of gifts last week. You that were here, I want to ask you a question. See, I, I'm a teacher, and teachers review for a minute, you know, if they're any good teaching at all. Uh, in college, I don't think to do much reviewing, but uh, I learned, I did have one good teacher in college when I went to uh, Florence State 
as UNA now. I'll tell you how long ago it was I went there. It, it was called Florence State back in the 60s. But we had one history teacher that at the beginning of every class, she would take a few minutes and review what she had talked about before, and then she would bring it in. And I really did enjoy her class. Matter of fact, I made a B-plus in that class. That was the only good grade I made. But anyway, <laughs> I liked history. But we talked about three different sets of gifts. In Ephesians 4, there's five gifts, gifts listed called the ministry gifts, and that's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These gifts are given by Jesus to the body of Christ and actually to the world because it says he gave gifts to men. And then there's the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there's nine of these that are given by the Spirit. And if you read these in 1 Corinthians 12, and always understand this about those gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they are supernatural gifts that people get endowed with from time to time. It's not something that uh, somebody can jump up and say, well, uh, I have I have the gift of the word of wisdom. That's not, you know, it, it's the spirit wills. And it may not be all the time, and it may not be the same person. I don't want to try to get you mixed up. But there's, there's nine of those gifts. There's a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, uh, gift of faith, gift of healing, uh, gift of prophecy, uh, gift of tongues, gift of uh, interpretation of tongues, and... Uh, I believe I may have missed one. But anyway, those gifts. Those two sets of gifts are not what we're talking about in this class, okay? What we're talking about is in Romans chapter 12. And we talked about this last week. These gifts in Romans chapter 12 are given to everyone. Some, somebody in this body right here has at least one of these gifts, okay? And chances are there's more, Uh you take the ministry gifts, the gift of helps. There's probably more people has that than any of the others. Uh, the motivational gift of prophecy. Fewer number of people has that. Matter of fact, probably about 5% of people is all that have the prophecy motivational gift. And sometimes we may think we do. You know, you may think you do, but that's not it. But let's read in, in Romans chapter 12. And I've got about 30 minutes that I want to, 29 minutes, 28 minutes, I get it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say... Through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. You've got to always remember that. We don't all have the same function. Having been, uh, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Even though we may not have the same function, it takes us all together to function like we need to. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, 
and who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And I've added verse 9 tonight because this is the key to these gifts working. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, we operate these gifts, we're motivated by love. I was listening yesterday and I heard a song by Mike Powell, and I know it's an old song, no doubt, but it's the first time I recall hearing it. And he was talking about when he was growing up that his mother drug him to church, and they went to church. And he couldn't figure out why they went to church, because they go to church, you know, they go in Sunday school, they come in church, sing three songs, the preacher preach, and, and then they'd have a prayer and go home. Sunday after Sunday, Mama drug him to church. And he couldn't figure out why. So one day he said, Mama, why do we go to church? Why do we do the things we do? And she said, it's because of love, son. It's the reason I go. He talked about his brother joining the military and going off and having to go overseas and all. Asked his brother one day, said, why do you do this? And he said, it's because of love. So the reason that we function in these gifts is not because we're made to, it's not because God pushes us and says, if you don't do this, then I'm going to beat you up. We do these things because of love. First of all, because we love Jesus, and then because we love people. We love the body of Christ. So that's the reason we do them. So let's, let's take a few minutes and talk about this motivational gift of prophecy. Now, in all three lists of gifts, prophecy or prophet is mentioned. And uh, a person may be called to be a prophet, in the Ephesians 4 gifts, which is one of those uh, ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, there are prophets nowadays. In this day and time, people say that all the prophets have passed away. There's no such thing as apostle and prophets anymore. But I've not found in the Bible where they cease to function. Never have. And people say, well, when the book of Acts ended, well, the book of Acts didn't end. If you'll read, it, it, there's no salutation of like goodbye, Okay. So the book of Acts, in one sense, word is still going on today. We still have prophets. Prophets uh, will encourage the church. They will edify the church. They will build up the church. And you can read that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 But about that. But they can be, have this ministry gift of prophecy and even the charismatic gift of prophesying and not have this motivational gift of prophecy. And I hope that don't get you mixed up, but listen to me and I'll tell you why. This motivational gift of prophecy is not predicting the future. Okay? This motivational gift of prophecy means that a person has insight into people and their motives. Okay? So if you feel like, hey, I do, man, I can tell whether somebody's right or wrong right off the bat. You know, that can be true, but we'll find out here in a minute there's also a, a, a gift that people have called suspicion, and they're suspicious of everybody, you know, and that's based on experience that they've had with people. Uh, Prophecy-motivated people can discern the inner motives of people in a way that most people don't. Uh, it's an intuitive sense about the way people and situations really are. And it's not something where they go around judging people, okay? That's, that's not what this is about. But this is being able to see and say, you know, someone in the body of Christ, they see something in the church in somebody, and, and it may be that they, you know, that they might 
go to the pastor, not in a tattling kind of way, but, you know, to say, you know, Pastor, I perceive that, you know, nothing else, you just need to watch. Be careful and and watch what's going on. Uh, The basic tendency of the prophecy motive gift is to view any person, group, or occurrence in the light of moral standards in their lives before God. It's It's not viewing them on everything that goes on in life. It's in view of their moral standards. It's in view of the Word of God. And they always rely, go back to the Word of God for the way that they approach things. It's, it's important for you to know that it's not a suspicious motive. I already said that. But it's not something to where that because of the situation and you see somebody do something that turns up wrong and then somebody comes along and they do something that looks like that and you just automatically, you're suspicious of them. Well, I've saw this before. I've seen this kind of thing happen before. The prophecy motive will help strengthen, encourage, and comfort the body of Christ, and it will never tear down or damage. That's something that people that have this prophecy motivation, they need to understand. The reason it has to be controlled by love is so that it don't tear down what's going on in the body of Christ. Uh, There's five specific manifestations of the prophecy motive gift. Five different ways in which it affects others. And they are bringing people to an accountability by exposing their motives. Now, this is not something to where somebody jumps up in the church and they point and say, and I'm going to tell you all something about Ron Fitzgerald. He's not right. That's not what it is. Okay? So if somebody does that, uh, then there need to be enough men in here with enough grit about them to take that person and say, you know, we need to go outside and you need to, do something different. Because that's not what it's about. If a person with this motivation sees Ron in a situation that Ron don't need to be in, then they should go to them, and that's the way it should be. They would go to them and say, Hey, Ron, you know, I want you to know I love you. And I want you to understand I do. And I see this, this, this. And I just want to help you to understand that that's not right. You see what I'm saying? It's altogether different. We need a lot more of that in the body of Christ. But there again, only about 5% of the people, and you know, some of us can breathe a sigh of relief that only 5% of the people in the body of Christ have this motivation. Uh, another thing to do is revealing people's heart motivation. Uh, and then here, causing an inner conviction because of when they talk to someone and begin to share things with them and help them that it cause an inner conviction. Uh, and they want to bring an awareness of God's presence in everything they do, everywhere they go, whatever's going on. And then the last thing that they, you know, that they push for is to, is to cause repentance in somebody. John the Baptist is a good example of this when he came preaching in the wilderness. Now, he was a preacher, okay, but he came in the wilderness and I believe in studying John the Baptist's life, he had this motivational gift. Because uh, one thing that he did, he called those people to accountability. Now, he did it publicly, for sure. But he called them to accountability. He saw their motives. He saw their hearts. He even asked them, said, who's warned you all to flee? Who's warned you all to come out here and repent? In other words, he saw them. And then he said, and he said this to him. He said, "Don't think that 
because you have Abraham for your father that everything is okay. Because it's not. And he said his final message to him was, you need to repent. Need to repent. Now, some characteristics of this prophecy motive gift is there's a need to express a message verbally. Uh, it must be expressed out loud, but there again, in most situations, it should be done privately and not to bring attention to the person that has this prophecy motivation. Uh, they possess a divine quality to identify, define, and hate evil. And if a person is being dragged down into sin, they'll surely tell them about it. I read, read about this uh, person that had this prophecy motivation, and he was on an airplane. And there was this evangelist that was sort of well-known. I won't name his name. But he had begun to get into sin. He had begun to step off into an area where he was drinking and that he was running around with women. And then he was still trying to be an evangelist. Uh, those, I don't know if you know that or not. Those things don't go together. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, he saw this fellow on an airplane sitting in the back between two women. He was flirting with those two women and he was drinking. And he got up from his seat and went back and asked the, the uh, preacher, the evangelist, if he would sit on the outside seat. They changed seats. He sat out there and he got down on his knees in front of him and quietly told him the hurt that he was doing to the body of Christ by the way he was acting and the things that he was doing. And it was leading many people to doubt salvation and to turn their heart from God and asked him to repent. And that evangelist repented right there on that airplane. So this is, this is this prophecy motivation. You say, well, man, I'd never do something like that. Well, if you have this prophecy motivation, you may do that. If you would never do something like that, you may not have that motivation, okay? So don't, don't begin to latch on to this. They have a willingness to experience brokenness in order to prompt, prompt brokenness. David Wilkerson, I don't know if many of y'all are familiar with him or not, you remember the movie The Cross and the Switchblade from many, many years ago? It was about David Wilkerson and his ministry there at the cathedral church in Times Square. And he would find people on the street that were, that were in sin, and many times he would just fall down in front of them crying and tell them, you know, you need to repent. He wanted to, he, he experienced that brokenness, to prompt brokenness, and somebody else, and literally hundreds of people turned their hearts to Jesus through his street ministry that he did just that way, including Nicky Cruz, the one that tried to kill him. The authority is always based on Scripture. Remember that. If you feel like you have this prophecy motivation, it's not based on your feelings. It has to be based on Scripture. Uh, they'll never assert their own authority but use the authority of the Word in every situation. You say, well, how do I know all of this? Well, the first thing that you've got to do when you do this survey and if you see that your motivational gift is prophecy, then you need to begin to pray and ask God through the Holy Spirit to help you to know how to deal with this and help you to know. Uh, they desire an outward evidence which demonstrates an inward conviction. In other words, they want to see fruit of repentance. Isn't that what John told them? Bring forth fruit of repentance. If you're repenting, then show me. 
Now, they're not the one that says this about somebody that gets saved. They're not the one that says, well, we'll see. That's the cynic that does that. I've heard people you know, tell people, boy, so-and-so got saved last night. Did they? Well, we'll see if it lasts. That's not a prophecy motivation. That is uh, a cynic that's trying to judge and tear down. And, and I'm going to tell you, when somebody tells me that somebody got saved, I rejoice. If they didn't, that's their problem. It's not mine. My, my, my problem, I'm not going to have a problem of having to judge them and sitting back and watching to see if it works. But a person with a prophecy motivation, they want to see something produced out of someone's repentance, not to the point of judging them, but to help them grow in what they're doing. They're, they're concerned for the reputation of the program of God. And, and really we'll see this many, but they're the ones that call black, black, and white, white. With a prophecy motivation person, there's no gray area. None at all. And really, folks, we all need to be that way. Me and Brad was talking about it for church, that we, we live in a, a compromising society. And it's even compromised in the church. It's compromised in the pulpit. But, folks, if God's Word says it, we need to, what, what, regardless of what kind of motivation we have, stand on that Word and let everything else fall to the side of it. We all need to do that. Uh, they're eager. And here's the one thing about a person with prophecy motivation. They don't mind getting their own situation pointed out. If they're in, in a fault, they don't mind somebody telling them so they can repent and get on with the, the program, get on with their life like it needs to be. Uh, if, if, you, if you know someone that feels like they got the prophecy motivation and they always talking about this, that, and other, but then somebody comes along and confronts them and they get mad about it, they don't have the prophecy motivation. They just have a big mouth. They're frank. They don't be around a bush. And sometimes that can be perceived as harshness, being harsh in it. Honesty can hurt. And that's why the truth must be spoken in love. If you have this gift, Keep that in the forefront of your mind. It has to be done in love. But there are times when the, when the body of Christ needs to hear black is black and white is white. I'm not talking about no kind of racial stuff there either, okay? People need to understand truth and a lie. And there's no compromise. There's no in-between. I don't care if we're living in the 21st century or not. That has nothing to do with it. The same God is as up-to-date today as He was 6,000 years ago when He created the heavens and the earth. He's as up-to-date as He was when He gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. He's as up-to-date as He was when He raised Jesus from the dead. He's as up-to-date as he, as he was whenever the New Testament was written and handed down to us, folks. I'm telling you, He is as up-to-date today as you can get and he's not changed one bit from the God that created the heavens and the earth. Their interest in group may look like in groups may be interpreted as a disinterest in individuals. In other words, a person with a prophecy motivation is not one as quick to just be right out in the group. They're more loners, you might say. And and they might discern things in the body of Christ by saying things like, This church needs more word in it. Church needs more word. Now, I, I, I'll have to say that we have a lot of word going on around here. 
And But I'll have to say this, we as individuals need more words. We need a daily dose of it, not just a couple of times a week. There's something pastors don't want to say an amen to any of this stuff. Sometimes it may seem as gimmicky, the, the efforts to get results. John the Baptist wore a leather girdle made of uh, wool, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Don't you know that draws people's attention? One time Ezekiel was told to cut his hair and divide it into thirds. And he, God told him, said, to cast one third to the wind, throw another third into the river, and burn the other third of your hair. And that was to let Israel know that that uh, Ju- Israel and Judah know that they were going to be taken into captivity, and there was no remedy for them anyway whatsoever. A strong focus on right and wrong may be judged as intolerance, and there's nothing wrong with being intolerant to sin, regardless of who it is. One thing that we'll notice about all of these gifts, and you may say, "Well, I don't have that. I don't have to worry about it." Yeah, you. There's things that you need to be concerned with, and number one is standing on the Word of God and being intolerant to sin. Uh, uh, Public boldness and strict standards may hinder personal relationships. In other words, a prophecy motivated person may not have a big circle of friends. Okay? Because folks just think that they're uh, too harsh and too plain to be around. And their strong desire to convey truth may appear as a lack of interest in listening to another person's point of view. In other words, and, and you know, they'll, they'll listen sometimes, but I'm right and I'm not changing that. If it's based on the Word of God, they're not going to change it. I don't have this motivational gift, but I, I got a lot of stuff that's based on the Word of God. I'm not changing it. I won't change it for anybody. I won't, for, you know, never have changed any of it for my family. And I won't change it. Because it's the Word of God. And it's true. And it's God's Word. And that Word says, let God be true and every man a liar. Less than 5% of people have this. And the prophecy motivated person is one who keeps the church from going into error. If the church will listen to them. And this is reason enough to have them around. Even if sometimes they may offend me or get on my toes. It's reason enough to have them around. This, this motivational gift can be seen in children. And uh, when we look at this, I thought about this. Boy, everybody would like to have a child like this, but just, just bear with me. A, a prophecy-motivated child, one way that you can tell is they have the ability to solve problems due to their insight and perception. I'm talking about children now. Another thing is they may seem harsh to their friends, but actually a person with, and a child with this prophecy motivation is tender-hearted at the core. Even that old fellow that's 50 years old that's got the prophecy motivation that comes across as harsh, they got a tender heart. They just want to see things done right. And that's, that's it. They're not interested in groups and not joiners of clubs. If you have a child or grandchild that just is not interested in being in a group or joining clubs, don't push them. Don't make them say, well, all the other kids are doing it. Don't do that. Let them come to that fact on their own because it could just well be that they have this. And sometimes people look at them and say, well, they're just loners. They need somebody. You know, one thing that if you have a child or grandchild or know someone that does that looks like they have this prophecy motivation gift, make sure they have birthday parties. Make sure they have friends over, things of that nature, so they learn how 
to socialize with people. They usually have strict moral standards and the ability to stay true to themselves. I see this more so as, as they get into teenage years because there's a lot of young people that has this prophecy motivation that will not give in to peer pressure. They have that. They, they won't give in to peer pressure. They, you know, this is where they, they know that's wrong. And they're that way. That that's wrong. And they'll tell, tell their friends that's wrong. Uh, and if you don't have the prophecy motivation, you young people, you need to tell your friends that's wrong if it's wrong. Right? You need to let them know, hey, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that. Go ahead. I, I'm not. Count me out. Because wrong's wrong even for young people. Yeah, but if you don't do it, you'll get looked down on. Hey, I'd lot rather be looked down on by man than to be looked down on by God. They believe that they're either all good or all bad depending on the way their parents and others communicate to them. If a prophecy-motivated child is, is constantly harped on, fussed at, they're going to think they're bad all the time. But we need to always understand that we need to encourage and build up our children. Now, we need to make them mind, regardless of who they are. They need to learn how to mind, even if it means going to the woodshed or the back room with a belt or hickory. I know that's not socially accepted, but I'm not socially accepted either. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still old school, old-fashioned. And it didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt a lot of us. But we're letting children buy with a whole lot of stuff these days and time that they don't need to be let by with just because that people don't want to be papas and mamas like they need to be. Okay. All right. Anybody have any questions? I'm sure you may have. Anything you'd like to ask or add? Yeah. Yeah. Right. As I as I go through these things, I think of a lot of different people. And and that's good that we do that. As you're looking at this, you think, well, you know, hey, that because we need to learn how to let other people have the opportunity to function in their gift, just as we function in ours. And not try to tread on that gift. Not try to get in their way. If we recognize that somebody has, if I have the motivational gift of service, and I recognize that somebody has a motivational gift of administration or leading, then I need to let them lead. Stay out of the way. Let them lead. And do what the program calls for. And if somebody has a motivational gift of leading, they need to not try to do it all. You see, the... It all works together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you read on down in that chapter, it talks about the parts of the body. How that every part of the body, this physical body, is necessary. There's no part that's not necessary. And even though doctors may take some of them off or out, if they hadn't been necessary, God wouldn't have put them in to begin with, like your appendix. I've heard doctors say, well, nobody, nobody needs their appendix. If, they, if we didn't need an appendix, God wouldn't have put one in. Because he didn't put an appendix in us 
If we're one day down the road, whenever we just going along and everything's okay, all of a sudden we get appendicitis and they take it out and God said, oh, so they didn't need it anyway. No. Everything in us, we need. Everything in the body of Christ, we need. No exceptions to it in any way whatsoever. Okay? All right, now next week we're going to talk about that, uh, uh, it calls it here ministry, and we'll find out that it's service, and we're going to talk about the motivational gift of the ministry of helps, which is probably the greatest number in the body of Christ, and that tells me that there's a big need for the ministry of helps in the body of Christ. So we'll, we'll take that up next week, okay? No questions. All right. Just take your spiritual gift survey, pray about it, read the instructions good, and uh, if you're still having trouble with it, by next week, or even by Sunday, let me know, and we'll look at it and see if we can't help you with it. Okay? Y'all got that? All right. Uh, anybody care anything about eating? I got a grunt anyway. It's better than I got while I was. <laughs> All right, y'all stand. And uh, we'll pray and be dismissed and and ask the blessing over the food. Father, we thank you again for your love and your blessings for this time this evening, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we was able to present this in such a way that people can just catch a glimpse and an insight into these motivational gifts, that, Lord, we'll be pulled and pushed through the Spirit of God to get out and do more than we ever have before. Now, Father, I pray your blessing upon these people. Those that didn't get to come, and Lord, I pray they watch and that your blessing be upon them, open their understanding, and help them to see. And Father, we thank you now for the food that we're about to receive. Thank you, Lord, that you bless it to our hearts as we bless ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we said, Amen. 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 Thank you all.